Hey, welcome to Lady Overlander Radio. Tonight we're speaking with Lucy Bernard of Tangles and Tales. Stay tuned. Grab your favorite drink, whether it's a coffee, cocktail, or tea, and get ready. It's Ladies Night on Lady Overlander Radio. The Lady Overlander Radio Podcast is sponsored by Frontrunner Outfitters, Midland Radio, Go Treads, Sport Keg, CB Adventure Supply, Adventure Trail Outfitters, Overland Spices, and the Moore Expo. Hey Arla, hey girl, hey. Hey girl, hey. <laughs> I have a surprise for you. Oh, Lord. You want to see it? I don't know. Is it PG rated or? Yeah, of course. This is a family Kid show. friendly? I don't want it then. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. All right. So I didn't get a chance to update the intro yet, but watch this. What do you think? That's so pretty. Our new logo. Our new logo. And I just dropped like hotcakes. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. So we have a couple of different logo designs. We met with Jared and Kayla of Shop Overland Apparel, and they worked with us. Jared's amazing. Um, Came up with some new logos for us. And we'll, he's ordering all of the stuff to make all the shirts and all the things. And we'll be launching some new merchandise soon in the shop. So, and we've nice. got up there, up, up near Arla's head, we have one the alternate logo up there, little L-O-R. Yeah, that way. There you go. There you go. It's always <laughs> opposite. I'm like. I know. I'm always like, wait. But what else do we have going on? Let's go through our, our schedule real quick, and then we'll get. We don't got it. anything going on. I'm just kidding. Okay. Well, we obviously are having two shows this week because we're trying to accommodate for all of our guests to get in because of their scheduling. So we have Lucy today. Wednesday, we have somebody else, but I will not discuss who that is because that's Wednesday. We'll just say it's Australian week this week. It might be. It might be. It is. Um, <laughs> so we got that going on at the uh, end of the month. We've got Mountain West Expo going yep. on. Um, we got... Uh, Teton Overland Show, the middle of September. We got at the end of the month, Big Iron Overland Rally in West yeah, Mineral, yeah. Kansas. And then we have, I get hooked up right here. East. East, and then Rendezvous. Rendezvous yeah. in Ozarks. Yes. Yeah. We'll be doing a lot of cross country traveling, like a lot. I don't know who came up with this. I wonder. Anyway. Whom? Whom has done such a thing? Yes. Whom? Hey, Michael, who is in Alaska, hey, living his Alaska. best freaking life. Jealous of all these season. pictures he's posting. Ridiculous. Some dude called Feral Joe. Don't know that guy at all. Oh, Lord. Oh, That's Lord. Is he sitting behind you? That's so weird. He's over in Kentucky. <laughs> Yeah, Teddy Cook. We have guests here in Kentucky. Oh, nice. All right. He's with Jojo and Teddy. He's getting a, a new bumper on tomorrow. Joe is. What? What? Oh, I didn't tell you, girl. He's getting a new bumper, a winch, tires, and rock sliders tomorrow. Wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. Why is the boy getting spoiled and not the girl? Because the girl already has all the things on my rig. I mean, hello. Tires too, huh? Yeah. I mean, if you're giving out tires, I'll take a set because I need them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I'll take some 37s. We'll give a little plug for Teddy Cook. Teddy Cook Cook Tire in London, Kentucky. That's where he's getting his tires. That's where you are, Teddy. That's where I have family in London, Kentucky. Lots of it. Stop it. We gotta talk. Yeah, talk offline. We gotta get into this show. The view from here really am good. Girl has Toyota. No, girl has Jeep. You're incorrect. 
That's me. That girl has Jeep. This girl's got Toyota. And our guest has legs. Has legs. That's, She's that got was my legs. So tell us what you are doing, Lucy. What crazy shenanigans are you up to? Well, I'm an overlander, I guess. I use the apps a lot, um, but I'm making an attempt to be the first woman to walk from the bottom of Alaska, uh, bottom of Alaska, from the bottom of Argentina to the top of Alaska. So that's a 30,000 kilometer walk, uh, which I originally thought would take three years, but I guess you're all used to this. It's definitely blown out beyond well and truly that, that estimate. Um, it took me three years to become the first woman to walk the length of South America. <laughs> and that's amazing, amazing in and of itself. Like, <laughs> Whoa. I, yeah, I still say it. Honestly, I look at the map, though, and I just, it doesn't really feel, it's such a long distance. It doesn't feel tangible to me. It doesn't feel real. I kind of am just like, did I really, though? And yeah, yeah, I did. And the beacon tracked me the whole way and everything, but it's just, like long-term travel I don't think that you really appreciate the distance you've gone because it's just living in the moment at least it is for me yeah wow. we're we're planning our South America trip next year driving and we're going to do over 16,000 kilometers six countries but walking I can't even like I'm tired right now just thinking about that like I, I took an nap while you were talking <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of napping. Don't you worry. Yeah. Arla's like, walking, I'm out. I'm out. I can't do it. Who's that? No, 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 no. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, no. So tell us, and do you have a, you have a travel companion as well, correct? Mm -hmm. I do. So I'm actually, four people every year start this pursuit, right? So it, I'm not alone in coming up with the idea by any means, but I decided that when I learned that one, most most people quit before the first year, I decided I'd wait a year before I looked into getting a dog to join me, but that was always the plan. So once I'd reached um, Santiago in Chile, I began looking um, and a farmer ended up giving me one of his puppy cattle dogs. And I actually really wanted to rescue because that's something you'll really notice here is that there's so many dogs desperate to be rescued. Um, but they're either seriously injured or they're just a little bit unsound and unpredictable. And I didn't really want to be hiking with a dog where I couldn't be trusting that it'd be okay around children or have unpredictable mm -hmm. behavior or triggers. Mm -hmm. uh, but Wombat, the name of my dog, Wombat um, has joined me now for almost, well, the, I'd say 9,000 kilometers. Well, that what was a the question that was coming up. Um, Michael Hyden wants to know how many miles a day were you going? Um, how are you at conversion? Doing kilometers here, Michael. Yeah, I, I don't know how many miles there are. Is it like two? You've got the Google, I'm sure. Yeah, you can Google. I um, Okay, if the temperature is comfortable, I can do up to 40 kilometers a day. My biggest day was 70 kilometers. That was when I was in the desert um, walking at night and that was an arid desert where it's rock bed and flat, there's no hills. So that was, you know, it's not like a mountainous 70 kilometers or anything. Um, at the moment though, because of the- 24 miles a day, does that prevent? Yeah, sorry, yeah. 24 and miles a day. Of, oh, brilliant, thank you. And because of the heat right now, I'm doing 30 kilometers mm. a day reliably. Mm. Mm. Tell everybody what the weather's like there, where you're at in Nicaragua right now. Yeah, so it's it's pretty hot, actually. Um, the kind of heat that makes you feel like you're being cooked. Um, and it, it's because I'm in the wet season, or it should be the wet season right now, but I guess it's in a build-up because it just hasn't, the rain hasn't broken yet the way that it usually would have by now, where there's rain reliably every morning and evening. And so... The temperature is reading at about 85 degrees Fahrenheit. I looked this up before, that's why I'm thinking about it. Because <laughs> again, I operate in degrees Celsius. Um, but the feel is 115. So it's really hard. And again, there's 
during the day when I finished walking, I usually try and find a restaurant or somewhere where I can sit and get um, some shade. Mm -hmm. But here, the roofs are tin roofs and there isn't mm -hmm. insulation. So sometimes it's better to find a tree and some breeze, but often it's really difficult to find. Yeah. Wow. It's hard. It's really hard. No bueno. Uh, yeah, and I spend a lot of my time paranoid about my dog as well because I really want to make sure that he's he's in good health. Um, yeah. So I stop and touch the road if we're walking on the road a lot to make sure that it's not hot. But ultimately, as soon as it gets past the um, 30 degree point, he'll stop walking and that's the end of our day because he just refuses to walk when he's uncomfortable, which is good because it means that uh, he doesn't get poor injury or he doesn't right. suffer from heat stroke and he's never had anything like that happen before. The worst thing that's happened to him is that he was bitten by another dog and even that was superficial. And how old is he? He's now five. Five. Oh, wait, we got to show a picture real quick. Yeah, get a picture. I'm so adorable. Oh. Look there, sitting in mommy's lap. So cute. German Shepherd, right? No, he's an Australian oh. cattle dog. Okay. Um, oh, we call them blue healers colloquially at home if they're that color. Yep. Um, and actually, that photo is from Peru. It's 5,000 meters above sea level. And one thing that really struck me about him is that he isn't affected by altitude, whereas at that altitude, I'm doing about two kilometers an hour. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the air? There's so much air that I can't breathe. <laughs> like that. Meanwhile, Wombat's like, are you coming or what? Let's go. Oh, he was really patient, actually. He'd run ahead and then he'd just lie down and wait for me. And then he'd run ahead and do it again. It was, it was really sweet, actually. And it, the thing about Peru is it's just such beautiful country that the kilometers pass by without really me noticing too much and I had just arrived from the desert so I'd gone from somewhere where it's really arid and there aren't any bird calls or much um, sound of life mm -hmm. and then I'd risen into these beautiful mountains where the air is cool and crisp and suddenly I could hear the sound of trickling water which was just such a, a soul cleansing experience for me because I could drop the fear of running out of water um, and it's beautiful hiking. I didn't realize that the Incan trails run all the way along the length of the country. And so for the entire course, that, that took me six months to get through Peru. And for the entire time, I was more or less on trail in remote communities. It was beautiful. Wow. That's crazy. I, just, I still like trying to wrap my head around the, the walking that far thing, especially... <laughs> I mean, you know, we think, oh, yeah, we're tough because we're driving in a vehicle and all and camping in a tent, you know, in all kinds of weather conditions, but walking every day, like, yeah, I, I don't think, know, that's just, I'm that's, that's hardcore, Yeah, I love it. I mean, if you like yeah. hiking, it's like hiker's yeah. dream, except, of course, you're missing out on mod cons and it's hard to replace mm -hmm. equipment when it breaks. But I think the general consensus, I mean, I don't have to deal with the mechanical issues that people have to deal with in bikes or in vehicles. Um, but mm -hmm. certainly the most challenging aspect that I have that other people don't is that if I'm, um, if I come into a serious problem, it isn't as easy for me to get away yes. or to solve that, the issue. Um, or there's that, you know, there's not always a quick fix immediately. And I've just had to um, be good at adapting. <laughs> but I mean, again, that's something that's true for any traveler. Have you had any situations where you felt unsafe or right. kind of concerned? You probably had a few. So you want to tell us about one or two of those? Yeah. Um, typically, typically, I feel safe, especially if I'm in remote areas. The only thing that I really need to worry about in that setting is that it could get um there could be an animal like a wildlife issue so for example crossing through panama i saw two snakes at least every day and they were close and ven venomous um but mostly the issues that i am most concerned about is human interference and you know we're all living in patriarchal cultures but here more than ever um i think it can be it, it's more notable for me on the day-to-day -day life with mm -hmm. cat calling and whatnot and so I do have this like 
underlying level of um, readiness for there to be an issue. And I guess that carries stress with me. And so every day I'm like ignoring men and I've got the blinkers on and I'm constantly looking for women and making sure that I'm aligned with them. But I have had an occasion or two occasions where men have kind of accosted me while I'm approaching a town. And that is always the most unsafe area is on the fringe of cities or towns. Mm-hmm. Um, but in both scenarios, I was on the road. So these two men tried to make me get into the car with them and I was didn't want to, obviously. Um, and so I just stopped traffic in both directions and I said, I'm not moving until someone sorts these men out. They're harassing me. And um, that was in Chile, actually. And I know that the culture there is really fast paced. So people really don't like it when they're interrupted. And so as soon as they were, the traffic was stopped, I knew that someone would solve the problem because they would be so infuriated that their day had been delayed. Um, And ever since I've just relied on that because it's a good strategy. That was very good thinking. Wow. Yeah. And I carry pepper spray, but to be honest, I feel like, sometimes the best thing is just to stay really calm and listen and really hear what they want um because sometimes you know like for example if someone wants to rob me it's safer for me just to give them the money you know and to not be so entitled to it yes of course it's my money and no they shouldn't be taking it but also it's much better than having an injury or being harmed to be prepared to to separate from my items if necessary. There's always a solution. I can always crowdfund to replace my equipment if I need to. Wow. Getting really dark. I'm going to keep talking to you while turning on the light. (laughs) Do you, um, I was just thinking, I was wondering how, how much she carries, like weight. What her pack is and a way to, yeah, like the pack, like backpack or whatever, you know? When I first started, my pack actually weighed 30 kilos um, and that was because it was winter in, yeah. um, in Patagonia and there's a lot of wind. So I had like a two kilo tent that was bomb proof for 120 kilometer per hour winds down there. Um, and also I was really inexperienced hiker. I've learned a lot about hiking actually from people who hike in the United States because you all have a really amazing through hiking culture up there and so even now people are teaching me stuff and I'm so grateful and frustrated all at once because I'm like why did I start in the south if I'd started in Alaska I would have learned all this stuff going through the you know the United States and my life would be so much easier but anyway Back That's then, not necessarily I, true. <laughs> well, it's true. But actually, people really share their information. Like, it seems to me, I haven't experienced it yet, but it seems to me like there's a really beautiful culture, hiking culture in the States. Mm-hmm. There is a very, you can very ask me about that later. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I've gone from having this pack that weighed 30 kilos. And um, back then I was especially petite. I'd put on weight to try and have reserve and do what is appropriate for safety in isolated areas. But I'd lost a bunch of weight by that stage as well, like early in. So I was weighing about 60 kilos with a 30 kilo pack, which is just a bit silly. I was really strong, but it's still not great for long-term health. And now my pack weighs about 10 kilos. um, And this is before food and water. So how much water do you normally try to carry with you and how many days do you try to go between water fills? Oh, well, right now um, I'm seeing water every day. So I carry three litres with me that feeds myself and Wombat. And um, I know that I'll be able to refill. Actually, it's very, that's one thing that's really easy about being in Central America is that I can just buy food and water every day. Yeah. But um, in... And again, in all of the countries where I've been, there's always been river sources where I can take water safely or clean it um, daily, multiple times a day even, and not really have to worry about carrying multiple days. The only place where I did carry a lot of water was in Patagonia. And again, it was just inexperience. I could have used, I had a lot of trouble getting um, fuel for my stove, but I could have melted water every day if I'd been more experienced. But again, it's been a learning learning activity. Hiking here is definitely different to what I've experienced back home. 
Um, and mm-hmm. this constant second guessing myself because I'm alone and I don't have someone to confer with about whatever challenges I'm facing. Yeah, my my husband is big into hiking and he wants to do a few through hikes and he has he watches videos and he's in forums and he's like always gathering information. Like he I I'm, you know, not that big of a fan of through hiking. He he is. Um so maybe one day he'll do that. I don't mm-hmm. know if he'll make me go with him, but he might and so pray for me. You could support um, <laughs> Which would be angel. Yeah, and people would love you. Honestly, if you if if you just yes, on if you wanted to be the most popular person on trail, that's one way of doing it, I'm sure. Um yeah, for me I love hiking. Um, especially in beautiful areas. It's been there's been areas where it's dank. I mean Getting out of Panama and getting onto there's a through trail of Pan- trail of Panama that I had to get to, but to get from where I was because I'd done a spit a different entry to getting in, and so to get onto it out of the city, I had to hike through areas where I had to walk through sewage water. I mean, sometimes it's disgusting, but for me, I'm just like, ah, you know, whatever. Like I'm just so used to having to do gross stuff. Um, but for the most part, it's beautiful. It's just tiring. I think trying to speak in a foreign language when my skills aren't that great still is also very difficult and being a woman on my own. Here it's been better because all of the women here seem to um, ignore the men and so they're kind, of, they're kind of used to it and they're also very disgusted that I'm so dirty and I stink. <laughs> So I don't. I haven't been getting harassed nearly as much, and I'm like, man, if it's going to be like this all the way to this day, it's awesome. <laughs> You're like, I'm a people repellent. I do this for really, and it is. I do. I, I I smell terrible. Like, but there's nothing I can do about it. You know, it's just part of it. Golly. Yeah. Um. Uh, show that oh, person. Yeah. Teddy. What's going on there? But. Teddy and Joanne say tent camping or cowboy camping. Yeah, so cowboy camping is when you camp without your tent and you just have a view of the stars. For me, I would never do that when I'm on my own because, oh, that's not true. I did do it in um, the Atacama Desert, but there I knew there was no, no one was going to come across me. So there's a few things that I need to worry about. One is human interference. The second is I have a dog and I want to keep him contained and stop him from running off after wild animals. So he sleeps in the tent with me. Um, and also in the areas where I've been most recently, there's also problems with malaria. And um, like just two days ago, I had my tent set up and by the time I got into my tent, the vestibules were full of spiders. And so... Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spiders don't bother me so much, but I don't want to share my sleeping bag with them, if you know what I mean. Like, no. no. <laughs> Y'all can have that. I'm just going to keep walking. <laughs> I'm not about that spider life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel like I'm converting either of you into the idea of hiking. Look at me out, man. No, I do short, shorter hikes. I don't mind doing short hikes. Yeah. yeah. I don't okay. mind camping. I don't know about through hiking and just having. I don't know about a spider station in my tent. And she's got spider phobias and all the phobias, so she's not about that life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. And also, I mean, isn't it strange that? we compare our different passions in a way that could be positive or negative when it's like if you really love camping and you love going on short hikes then that's awesome and I like we should celebrate that more rather than I just feel like with social media and this constant comparison of what other people are doing I really like I think it's great that we can have more in awe of you for your ability to do that like that is just the stamina and the physical strength and the mental strength that that takes oh man yeah yeah like you said you know you're you're completely uh, open to whatever environment and anything you know anyone anything can harm you potential potentially and you know even you know with overlanding we're at least in a vehicle you know, not that people can't carjack a vehicle or all that thing, you know, but you're a lot more, to me, you're a lot more exposed. 
and yeah and I suffer sleep deprivation because of it too I mean at yeah. the moment it's more that I have to get up at one uh, thirty in the morning and I have to be walking by 3 a.m because otherwise I won't get very far before 10 or 11 before the heat is just too stifling yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am. I with wombat, I sleep better. But I'm also always listening, and I'm worried. Like I have to make sure that I'm safe. Um, so there's that, and I guess I've learnt as well that it does get to a point where it's overbearing. And so in that scenario, I know now that it's because I'm tired, and I just need to take a week or two off and recover, and then I'm okay again. Um, and the other thing that I have in my toolkit is I try and keep a gratitude journal. And I know that that sounds really like airy fairy and in the clouds and whatever. Um, but I thought I'd just give it a go to see if it helps shift my my like level of mental health and where I just rested in terms of happiness. And it really did help. And it's nice to have a journal like that because I can look back and remember the days as um, they pass and be like, oh, yeah, that was really, that was a really awesome time. Yeah, definitely. I like the journal idea. And especially if you are feeling a little down and like frustrated and just kind of, you know, drained, you can go back and say, okay, I remember why I'm doing this, you know, and read about some good experiences mm -hmm. you've had. So yeah, I know when I don't do it that I just am resting on this rage because I am just focused on constantly defending myself and like being ready to battle. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely something that's been good for me to do. Awesome. Got a great question here from Farrell Joe. And I know we talked about this a little bit before the show started, which was very interesting. Uh, is it challenging to bring wombat across borders? Um, you know, there's some places that require health and certificates and whatnot and quarantining. Have you ran into a lot of uh, issues with that? Yeah, every single border crossing I've had to do a health certificate. Um, and that's, so let's just starting from Argentina and heading north. It was used to just be a health certificate. And then I have now, and I don't know if all of the countries have introduced this, but you don't just need a health certificate. You need to get the health certificate certified by a government entity um, to say that the vet is a true vet. And so you then have to go and find that wing of the government. And then it usually comes with a ridiculous fee so it used to cost me ten dollars to get him across the border and now it costs me a couple of hundred and oh. that yeah yeah and it's there and it's all a new new processes and then what we were just talking about before is um that the reason they do this is to ensure that they can contain infectious illnesses and so what's just happened is i've arrived into nicaragua three days before it closed its border to import of animals from Costa Rica because they've had a case of screwworm. And so now anyone that has animals in Costa Rica can't leave because there's just been a blanket ban and it's not important. It's, it's something that's so contagious that you can't really get a health certificate and be like, I can assure you that my dog doesn't have screwworm because it could have picked it up on the way into the, to, to the border. So yeah, that comes with the real risk. In that situation, I think if I got, um, if I had still been in Costa Rica, I would have waited until my, um, I would, I had time and I can extend it. So I could have waited to see how long it would have taken before um, my visa ran out to see if they then opened the borders again. And if not, I would have to find someone. And I already had met some people that would have looked after him and I would have continued without him until I could go and pick him up again. Yeah, that's, awesome. we were just talking about that, how some people are, stuck in Costa Rica because of that or trying to figure out ways to get their animals out and they still travel on and yeah, it's, yes. but nobody wants to screw around with the screw worm that I just looked those up and those things are, mm -mm. I don't want to look it up. I don't even like the word. Right. I'll just <laughs> and no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Joe has another question. Um, okay. What do you use to filter your water and how much for you and Wombat? I think you said three liters you carry a day right now for you and Wombat. I I do, and the upper level of intake for a dog of wombat's weight, so he weighs 25 kilos, which means that on the upper end, he would drink 1.7 liters a day. Mm. I, um, my superpower is that I don't have to drink, I don't get thirsty, so I can live on 700 mils of water a day without really feeling it. But of course, I try and take in as much liquid as I can. 
because heat stroke is, you know, would be disastrous. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I do, I tend to have a three litre bladder in the, at the beginning of the day. And I notice that I usually have about a litre of that leftover by the end of the day, but I just top it all up. And then, um, okay, so I actually am carrying two forms of water purification, which traditionally for hikers is overkill. Um, but I have to clean water here from viruses, not just bacteria. So you can use a filter and I have a Sawyer filter. I just put it on top of a bottle and I drink straight out of it or squeeze it out and Wombat can drink from it too. Um, and that works well if the water is muddy and dirty, but it doesn't kill viruses and viruses can get through the filter. So for that, I also have a UV light and it's just, an, it's a really old, camel back I don't even know if they make them anymore light that fits on top of a Nalgene bottle mm -hmm. and it's really fast too so here I can fill water up from the taps which you can't normally drink and then I just put the lid on zap it for a minute and then put it into the camel back and then do it again two more times to get three liters wow that's interesting that's got very people cool. chiming in like crazy now about questions okay. got Gloria on your head Gloria um, so maybe I missed it. What do you do when you have a medical issue, whether it's an emergency or a simple medical problem? That's a great question also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the most important thing is that I carry a Garmin inReach, which has an SOS button on it. So if I, and I've had a friend have this happen where he was cycling in Peru and he misjudged something, fell off a cliff in, uh, and fell a fair way, broke his shoulder bone, I think. Um, anyway, he's in a really remote part of Peru and he pressed the SOS button and was, it was the afternoon and they were able to get to him first thing in the morning. So that's what I would do in that kind of health situation. Otherwise I used to be pretty lenient about food and eating things that are beyond what they should be in terms of expiry. And I don't do that so much anymore because I have been food poisoned a lot. Um, or water poisoned it's oh. just really unpleasant when you're on your own and you're sick and um yeah I, I got food poison and then i had an influx of um amoebas so then i had that issue to deal with and things just cascaded so in that scenario um i've done wilderness first aid and i know that i've just got to keep my water up as much as possible while i can but i also had a funny feeling in my feet and so I was like no I'm going to go back into I have traveled back into the city of Quito in Ecuador and went and visited a doctor because in the end I needed three courses of antibiotics one for the food poisoning apparently I thought that would just pass but you know I think they just sort of threw them at me <laughs> and then I needed another one to kill the amoebas because I um, went back two days later and that it, they had sort of swelled in the environment um, and I had like a, a really bloated belly it looked like I was pregnant actually um and then I went back again to the doctor and I'm like I've just got this funny feeling with my feet and I he was like show me your feet and I went to undo my shoelace and he was just like stop I don't need to see them you've got foot rot and then oh, yeah foot rot yeah so um in that situation again I take time off I make sure that I get medical assistance but I also have a good friend of mine who is a um, infectious disease doctor but of course he also has a good understanding of general medicine as well and he is I have him listed in my beacon so I can send him short messages and say what's wrong and then he's advised me I personally think it's a bit of overkill but I have five different types of antibiotics in my first aid kit, which I, <laughs> the only reason it's I'm like, uh, is because it's weight, right? Um, but at least I, if, if something happens, I have that. And then I also carry anti-diarrheals always because it's good mm -hmm. to, like, I've had it before where I've had maybe three days before I've been able to get to town and it's just been really awful and unpleasant. Um, and I carry on Danzatron, which is an anti vomiting drug which is very effective as well and the good thing about that actually is I can also use it for wombat when he's a bit unwell um so anything that I can use both ways is good yeah. to have and, and he drug. has a first aid kit too and on my beacon I also have a vet that's not <laughs> good to ask you does he have his own first aid kit we got a infectious disease doctor and a vet on speed dial Got it. Yeah, I do. I do. And I've learned so much, honestly. Like I know how to detect um, 
heat stroke now as well. And um, I've had video consults because I just am really paranoid about his health because I know that sometimes I'm far out of town. So if, I just, if I'm ever, ever worried, the first thing I do is I get on um, to my phone with Dr. Farley and we go through all those checks. That's awesome. That's, that's a really good idea though, especially, so where is Dr. Farley located? In is Australia, okay. yeah. Yeah, and then she also consults with the um, endurance dog um, expert who kind of chuckles at us because I only know what I know and question things from comments that people make on social media, which sometimes are, well, often are really misinformed. Um, and I used to get a lot of grief from people about dogs not meant to be endurance animals and they shouldn't walk long distance, which of course, you know, most people would disagree with that. Um, but then I, I thought, okay, you know, at least I should be considering his nutrition because he, I need to be well supported and I'm not always, my diet's pretty terrible. I just eat what I can get, but I should be trying harder for him because he's in, under my care. And so I um, spoke to her and she spoke to her contact and the guy, he's been really helpful, but he also chuckled because he was like, he's walking 30 to 40 Ks a day. That's not an endurance dog. That's a dog outdoors enjoying nature. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, it's good though, because it, at least these people are all contributing to make sure that we are in the best state of, of fitness to perform well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Arla, I think Diamond needs to step up her game. That's one of Arla's dogs. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'll take a chug of Mountain Dew on that note. <laughs> yeah. Diamond would rather you carry her, but then don't touch her otherwise. Yes. Oh, truly? Yeah. <laughs> She's not a loving dog. <laughs> like well, well, that definitely has a luxury side of life. I mean, yeah, he if there's a bed, he wants to be on it. If there's a possibility of taking a day off, he will. And when he's bored, he'll just like, here's this thing that he does where he pulls his bowl out of my backpack when we're at a restaurant and he'll throw it at the person that cooks because he knows that they'll think he's starving and they'll fill his bowl up with food every time it works. And he, what he used to do when he was, yeah. And when he was younger and didn't have access to the bowl, he used to just pretend to faint outside of restaurants. And people used to think that I was a monster when really he'd be like, like this, and then he'd open his eye and be like, are they, are they looking? <laughs> He's really smart. Um, wow, he sure is. Yeah. It's like having a teenager. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we know that. Wow. <laughs> but it's oh, fun too, yeah. right? Like it really helps the day go by. It's nice to have a buddy and someone to talk to per se. Um, yeah. And it's good for my security because I tell everyone that he's really dangerous, which he's really yeah. not, but you know, he looks it. Oh, oh yeah. Here we go. Joe wants to know what is Wombat's favorite meal? Oh, anything. Yeah. He, um, it's funny that you say that cause he won't eat raw meat or, um, skin. Uh, so he, really likes pasta with um i hide veggies in the pasta but then with tuna that's something that he's really keen on recently i had some anzac biscuits sent from home and he was just desperate for them all the time because he knew <laughs> that they were delicious um and then there are some treats that i bought here actually that are made from rabbit which i use for training and they're tiny and he will do anything like he'll try and do all the treats at once it's almost too high a value treat because he just can't focus when they're around mm -hmm. wow that's funny so that's you better funny. not run out of those just fyi no well he might turn on you it's like chocolate <laughs> he's like i'm out you lost the rabbit treat i'm out Walk <laughs> totally, totally. Don't run out of snacks lady <laughs> yeah Arla's the same way. If I run out of snacks, forget it. She's out. Mm -mm. Oh, wow. Mm -mm. Stand okay. off. You better have chocolate or some good snack. Yeah. You better. 
Yeah, right. I mean, he's actually, I don't normally have treats for him because we've just always shared the food that I eat. And now I carry a special um, powder that's like a, um, a supplement that really helps support his diet. Um, yeah, no, he's kind of breed that even if I didn't bribe him, they're really loyal and, and normally just to one person. So he'll always follow and he will often, someone will try and get him to do a trick and he won't. He'll just pretend that he doesn't understand them. So he'll go, he'll follow you anywhere, but he's going to be a pain in the butt the whole time. Oh yeah. That's pretty much it. Yep. <laughs> Every time I lift my backpack up, he, he, like he's got some really strong instincts. So he'll bark, which is kind of a problem actually, when I'm trying to be somewhere <laughs> quiet without being noticed. Yeah. 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 Um, down low. <laughs> yeah. And it, but it's just an instinct because they're a working dog and they're used to biting the heels of cattle. Um, mm. And so yeah, as soon as I lift up the backpack, he knows it's work time and he'll try and bite at my feet and carry on for five minutes. Um, or if I put him on the lead and make him walk with me on the lead, he'll stop so that I let him off. Now, what if you encounter any cattle or, or animals like that? Does he try to instinctually go after them or do you have to kind of watch that? Or Yeah, I usually notice first. And in that instance, I'll say leave it. And he does. If I don't notice and he takes off, it's it, like getting him to come back is impossible. So I always just try and get to him instead because I don't want to teach him not to come when I call. Um, he, There was one time when that happened really at altitude in Peru where he saw a pack of llamas and he took after them. And um, I saw him running down this huge hill and then up another one and I was like, there goes my dog because as I was saying before, I could only do two kilometers an hour at that altitude, so I couldn't chase after him. And it was at the end of the day, and I was just wiped out. And you know, when you're at altitude, when you sleep, that's when your body re has time to catch up on oxygen again. And and it takes a minimum of two weeks to really get into at least a decent state of living <laughs> in terms yeah. of breathing. So yeah. I just was like, if he doesn't come back that's the end of me having a dog, <laughs> but he did, he came back. And again, it was like nothing, no big deal. So yeah, he definitely has that drive to chase after animals, but um, he also is really good at listening and following command. That's a good thing he comes back because we're not going after him. That's crazy. You're walking enough as it is. <laughs> he needs to get yeah. it together and stay with you already. <laughs> yeah, I actually wish that he had his own, like, you know how you can measure your, the, the steps that you do. It would be awesome if he had one for himself so that I could see how oh, far yeah. he has walked because he's probably done twice the distance that I have. Well, yeah, because he's running after the, over here and running over there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> so what do you think is your plan for like heavy winter months? I know you started down in Patagonia and there was a lot of snow and or do you have, uh, are you going to be reloading your pack again? Or do you have somebody dropping that stuff off for you? Or how you have, how do you have that worked out? Yeah, that'll be really interesting. And I'm looking forward to it, actually, because hiking in the cold is my favorite. Um, but I've never hiked in places like Alaska. So I will build my pack back up again. But I suspect that I'll end up for the final leg pulling a sled or something along those lines. There was, in, when I was in the desert where it was really remote and there was no resupply, I had a um, hiking trailer, which is like a, kind of like a wheelbarrow, but narrower. And it's just a rack that you put a bag on top of. Okay. And so um, as soon as I could get rid of it though, I got rid of it because I'd rather be in a backpack in, in the mountains rather than on roads. Or, I mean, it's, it's a really versatile trailer. So it can actually, I took it through some of the Incan trails before I could um, send it back home. Um, but that's all still to be worked out. I mean, I have to walk every part of it. So I'll be snowshoeing. I did meet some people in the desert who have dogs up in Alaska and they were like, we can hook you up and help you out. And that would be really cool too, to pull equipment. Um, but again, I, it's so hard for me to consider what I'm going to be doing beyond the country that I'm in, because I'm always just so heavily loaded with logistics as it is. Um, yeah. it's usually better just to work it out once I'm there. Mm -hmm. Well, it's probably kind of overwhelming and daunting if you start trying to think too far ahead as well. You've got to stay focused on 
you know, exactly. where you are in the moment and what your, what your next step is, literally. Yeah. Do you find that when you're overlanding as well? Yeah, mm. at times. I, I used to, we used to, before we over, started overlanding, we RV'd full time. And one of the things that stressed me out about that was because it's such a popular thing for people to do, mm -hmm. you had to book things way in advance and really yes. plan out your trip along the way for months, several months out because we, we were full time. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you're like, okay, well, we've got this week filled, but we've got a gap between here and here that we don't have somewhere to stay. And you've got to try mm -hmm. to figure it's a lot of logistics and a lot of forward planning. So and really that, could yeah. cause a lot of disappointment if you end up being somewhere where you want to stay for longer. Right. Or do you just right. then sacrifice the booking? I mean, sometimes you can be flexible, but on high season, like if, if you're down in Florida or in Arizona during the winter months, things are booked for Wow, 11 months out. So yes, that, that to me got too, too overwhelming and too stressful. Holidays are always booked out in a, a year in advance. Like if you're there Memorial Day weekend, the people that are there are already booking their next year slot while they're there. So they yeah. can make sure they get a spot. Oh, I'm glad to hear this because I imagine that even though I'm hiking, that's something that will cause me issues occasionally. Good to have your expectations. Yeah, not to, not to stress you out because you, you're way, you know, that's way down yeah. the road. Focus on yeah. Nicaragua. But uh, yeah, that's, I would like you to actually, since we're talking about logistics, tell everybody what you had to do in Costa Rica. What you just told us about having to be in the capital and then get to the border in a certain amount of time. Yeah, so this comes back to um, getting Wombat's paperwork again. So, um, in Costa Rica, San Jose is the capital and it's in the middle of the country. So I'd hiked in and I decided to go and visit a vet and get his health certificate early or at least find out how long they last for. Um, and they told me that I can actually only apply for the certificate that certifies the vet in San Jose. So I decided to do it all there. Um, and so I um, had the consult done to show that he was healthy and then the vet went into Sanasa, which is their government arm to get it validated and then he rang me and said okay so I have to change the date on the form because you can only do this 10 days in advance and you have to tell them the exact day that you're leaving and so I just took the date the last possible date that I could take and because he would already put in one of the borders on the form, I had to leave through that border crossing as well because there was actually one that would have been closer. Um, but nonetheless, it meant that I had to do a minimum of 33 kilometers a day each day in really difficult terrain um, where I was hiking up very, very steep slopes. Um, and I also needed to get somewhere at the halfway point to change my shoes over. So it meant that I had to kind of really change that route and then head back again, which was pretty difficult too, because these people had done a favor for me by storing my shoes for so long that they asked me to stay, um, stay there the night and hang out with them when really I'd just gotten 15 kilometers ahead of my schedule. And yeah. if I'd stopped there, it meant that I would have lost that advantage, which is what ended up happening because I can't very well expect someone to store um, my shoes for me and then be like, thanks, and then leave and not accept their hosting invitation. Um, and then by the time I got to the border, I crossed through fairly easily. And I went to the vet at the next town, which was two days away because Wombat had been itchy on his back and um, was losing hair. So while I was at the vet getting that checked out, they asked me when I'd arrived because the day before, um, the borders have been closed to importing pets and other animals because they've got a case of screwworm in Costa Rica. So, yeah, had I missed, had I had I arrived late and had to go back to Costa Rica and redo the paperwork, I'd still be there because, yep, um, closed. yeah, they're closed. And it wow. must be terrible. There must be travellers there now that are stuck because they don't want to leave their pets behind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I would be there. I would just stay. Yeah, I I had to leave Wombat um, when the pandemic struck. I was in Colombia and I had to leave him to go back to Australia. But I also couldn't stay in Colombia because I didn't have a visa or residency, of course. Oh. And I think that the most stressful thing about having to leave your pet in one of these countries is that um, we have 
culturally different expectations on the care of animals. And so it's quite okay and acceptable for dogs to be left on the street. Um, and a lot of them have broken legs and whatnot. And I just, for me, I understand how traumatic that is because you, it's so hard to trust people, especially because people aren't always honest and they'll just be like, yeah, it'll be fine, don't worry, when what they're really trying to say is, no, I'm not going to keep your dog locked up or, like, safe. I'm just going to, like, I have my own thing that I need to do. So if your dog's on the street, it's on the street. But I'll feed it, you know, like, yeah. And so I get, that, for me, would be a nightmare situation. You'd really need to find someone who you really knew would be okay with looking after it for a period of time. Yes. And doggies are very important to us here at Lady yeah. Overlander Radio. Yes. Um, so Joe's asking, do you cold soak your food or do you have a cooking stove? I haven't actually considered cold soaking and eating food cold. <laughs> I don't even know why, because it's such an obvious, easy go-to. I used to have a stove. I don't have one now. And I have cold soaked in the past to conserve gas. And then I've heated the food up with my stove and eaten it. But I've never, like, cold soaked and then eaten. Um, and here I don't do it because, as I was saying before, there's just so many. Um, Central America is really highly populated, and I'm passing through several towns every day. So I kind of just eat as I go through and I don't even really have to wait for restaurants to open or anything like that because there's street food and it's usually cheaper than me buying food and making Preparing. it. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's delicious and it's fast and I can just sit down and undo my shoelaces and let my feet, let the blood rush back into my feet. <laughs> um, yeah. So right now I'm kind of eating maybe sometimes I'll take cereal and a box of milk in the afternoon from a shop and I won't have to walk very far before camp and then I'll consume that in the morning and um, Wombat loves having um, like a ready milky breakfast he's got a good gut for um, milk and dairy products doesn't really bother him so much um, and then for lunch I usually or for second breakfast actually because I'm mm -hmm. starting walking so early I usually find someone who will make eggs and tortillas for me and it, I say will do that for me because it's usually someone in a shop who doesn't typically offer cooked food but I'll go up and I'll be like do you have coffee that's prepared that I can buy so that I can drink it and then they'll say oh well if you buy it yes I guess and then I and then I'll say do you have eggs <laughs> that you could cook for me make and I will eat them <laughs> <laughs> And if they don't want to do it, I'm totally like, okay, that's all right. Can I have X, Y, and Z? And I'll just eat what's available and rest my feet. But like 99% of the time, if, even if that happens, they'll end up bringing food out for me to eat. <laughs> it's nice. really nice. And I always pay, like, they often are like, don't worry about it. It's a gift. And I'm like, no, I can pay for this. And I want to show you that I really appreciate it. And um, sometimes, you know, even like people will host me and do something nice, like, you know, extra nice. And for that, I actually have a few, not very many now, but a few little koalas from Australia that like pinch onto things and hold onto. So I keep those in Wombat's backpack and I will give that to them as an extra thank you that someone's really gone above and beyond for me. Um, and they, they love it. Like it's really precious to them. Um, and then in the lunchtime, I'll eat something like um, here they have pinto beans, which I'm kind of getting really sick of, but it's rice and beans and you just get that with everything and then you can get a cooked bit of meat with it. So that's kind of what my diet looks like. And yeah. Wombat eats half of everything, more or less. It's a good thing he likes to share. It's a good thing I like to share. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So what, uh, not to look too far ahead again, but what planned route are you considering for the United States portion? Ah, um, okay. The thing with this is the dog-friendly um, parks. And I really would like to do the Pacific Crest Trail, which runs along the West Coast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I live on the East Coast of Australia, so for me it's always really hard to work that out for some reason. Anyway, um, but that And that's world-class. Like, I would love to do that. But it would mean leaving Wombat behind and the logistics of finding him and getting him again, I just think would be a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So I think that ultimately I'm going to end up having to do the Continental Divide Trail, even though I'm really sick of walking through deserts and dry places, because I think that I'm more happy when he's with me. 
I may change my mind by the time I get there. <laughs> well, we've hiked portions of the CDT, and it is it is pretty. Yeah, great. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's some really cool. Areas. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, too, it depends where I pop out from Mexico as well. So, yeah. I mean, no matter what, even if I do do the PCT, I'm still going to have to traverse my way over there, and I'm not going to. I I I think knowing me. I, it's very unlikely that I'm going to do like a direct line. I would mm -hmm. definitely try and find the, the shortest way across uh, in terms of like a horizontal mm -hmm. line, horizontal. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> diagonal, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it is. Those directions, yeah. <laughs> no, we don't have to walk so far. That's what we're looking for. We're walking yeah. far. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so there's a lot of things in the United States that really excite me that I'm really looking forward to, especially like freeze dried food, like complete meals that I can eat that tastes oh, like is. something more than just bread, which is my common go to. And I, now like often I'm just, I sometimes lose a lot of weight because I just am too bored with eating. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to the variety. And I know, like, I've, I also watched lots of those YouTube videos that you were talking about before because they are very compelling and it's nice to see what's going to be available for me in the future. And I've heard about these big halls where there's food and you can get, like, salads and, like, all of your cravings can be met. Whereas here, like, salads are very un uncommon and just getting vegetables in your diet isn't, for me, it's been really difficult. Um, so I'm really excited for it. You will be, you will love it. Yeah. You they will also love have freeze-dried candy, just saying. I mean, if you're into that thing. Really? Candy girl. Oh, yeah. Yes, oh, it's yes. the new thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, if anyone's traveling in my direction and they want to bring some of that <laughs> stuff for me to try, I will not say no. That's not where you're at. We will hunt you down. Freeze-dried Skittles. Free just free I mean, I won't walk to you per se, but I will meet you somewhere. <laughs> Or I can she get out of my vehicle and say, hey, girl, hi, and here's the <laughs> snacks. It would honestly, you would, I would cry. I would absolutely be a mess. And then yeah. I'd be like indecision fatigue because I wouldn't know what to eat first. But I have had people come and find me who have said, hey, we're traveling to Guatemala, for example. Um, what would you like? We would love to come on an adventure and try and track you down with all your equipment. And then I've been in remote places, not even in town, where people have been, I've seen like this big yellow truck turn up or this guy on a motorbike came and found me once with a whole new kit for me, which was just like Christmas. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Like I haven't, I know that there's lots of trail angels in the United States, but I have definitely had my fair share and it's just made the trip for me because just shoes like my shoes the ones that I'm in now last a thousand kilometers which is about six weeks so it's wow yeah just being able to get new shoes is a big deal for me um and yet always somewhat like I've never I've yet there's been several times where I had to cinch my shoes on to my feet to stop them from falling apart but I've always managed to get new shoes before it's become catastrophic what would wow. you say your favorite kind of shoe is to, you know, hike in or? If the train's easy, like if there's no mud that's going to pull my shoe off, I wear hockers, which is a trail running shoe with a big mm -hmm. foam pad on the bottom. Yep. I actually prefer the neutral shoe that they have. It's a Bondi because it has the most softness in it. And I'm never running, so I don't need to um, be yeah. fast in them. But I can walk fast enough. But because that shoe isn't reinforced like the one that I have right now, which is the something six GTX or something. I don't even know, Challenger. I've got the Challenger. It lasts um, for a thousand kilometers and I would love, I would much prefer to have the hooker, but I also know that I really hate it when the shoe falls off my feet. So I have a bit more foot pain for the sake of having a shoe. <laughs> Absolutely. Gloria's in on hunting you down while you're over here and getting yes. uh, your mom about some treats. You can oh, actually, the reason people have been able to do this is because I have a live tracking map where people can um, see where I am. But it's off at the moment because I have some sensitive information with mapping on how I crossed into Panama. 
um, that we just need to have removed off the map before I can um, have it public again. Because now I get a lot of emails from people. Like I had one just the other day from a guy that's using a motorbike to cross to um, Colombia. I don't. I'll just do a quick background so if people don't understand, the Pan American Highway goes all the way from the United States all the way down to Argentina, but there is a 50 mile gap um, between. Panama and Colombia because there's a national park there and yep. mm -hmm. it's also a very narrow area um, where a lot of trafficking of illicit substances goes through and so it's not safe and um, you just don't go there you're not allowed to go there there's a sanction by the government it's you know the last thing they need is um, for a small police force to then have to go searching for people that have gone missing because they wanted to go in anyway. I got supported by them to go through because I'm doing a world first and I'm really grateful for it. And a part of that responsibility is making sure that people who write to me who think it's a conspiracy that, you know, there there really is a road there or whatever. Um, I get a lot of emails now in that kind of manner and they want the map. They want me to show them how they can go through. And of course, this person in particular with a motorbike, it's raining there right now. They, they can't get through no matter what because there's flash flooding and they would most likely be robbed and have their, their motorbike stolen anyway because of the cartels that operate in that area. Um, anyway, once that's cleaned out, people again will be able to find me and I'm, I've been really missing being able to have people come and visit me. So. I am. That's an, another job this week that's getting sorted. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of the overlanders ship their vehicle across the Darien Gap down to yeah. Columbia from Panama. Yeah. I met yeah. the people that do that. They're the nicest family. Honestly, I think that's a highlight for many people just getting to that point in Panama because, yeah, it's, a, you know, it's another logistic, but it is, there's lots of people to help have make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And you definitely want to be safe. So just mm -hmm. because, you know, don't do what she does. Just find a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much to see. And actually, if you're interested in the Darien National Park, there are tour operators that operate in there, just not inside the hotspots. And that's really worthwhile doing because they have um, endangered species. I spent some time with the Gunayala people, who are the indigenous group that live along the Caribbean coastline. Um, and there are leatherback turtles there. So I got to see a bunch oh, wow. of turtles laying and help um, a science group with their research. It was just such a special, special opportunity. Um, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. It was incredible. Right. And they write to me all the time. They're like, when are you coming back? And I'm like, well, if I start walking now. <laughs> It'll be 10 years because I've got a lot of walking to do still. Yeah, I'll yeah. see you in, in a decade. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So if people want to support you or find you on social media, any of that stuff, what, where do they look? I'm most prolific on Instagram where I try and update it frequently. But to be honest, it's just been like I've been a bit burnt out lately and I've just been doing a lot of stories. I try and do a day a week where everyone can see it, but then the members get to see um, my stories every other day of the week um, as a benefit for them. And I also have a YouTube channel that I've been working on um, posting to as often as possible as well. Um, so if you look for tangles and tail, that's like my hair is always in knots. So that's tangles and then wombat's tail. You'll be able to find my Instagram that way. Yeah. Or you can just search Lucy Barnard online and You'll get all of it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You had some really great information. It was it was such an honor to be able to speak to you. Yes. I, I mean, I know probably, you know, being in the middle of it, you're not, you're like, oh, whatever. It's not that big of a deal, but it's a huge deal. It's like, a big deal. It's a big deal what you're doing, girl. And I, I really keep killing it. That. I yeah. appreciate it. But it's also, you know, overlanders learning from them. It's really great hearing your stories as well so thank you for having me um yeah it does just feel like i'm a dank hiker but you <laughs> are a dirty start, hiker i you didn't are. start walking until i was two years old which is super late and so my mum thinks it's a big deal 
Now we can get to the stop. Mom's right. Yeah. <clears throat> Mom's very happy that you're walking finally. Yeah, she is. She's stoked. Really stoked. <laughs> Roaming the earth. Yeah. Goodness gracious, girl. Oh, my. Well, we hope, we wish for you a whole bunch of safety. We'll keep you in our thoughts and prayers and follow you. In touch. You get that map back up. Yes. I, I'm excited for you. And this is an awesome, awesome journey. Yes. Thanks so much. Thank you all for watching tonight. And this podcast will be uploaded onto Spotify and Apple Podcasts probably tomorrow morning mm -hmm. if my internet, you know, cooperates. So <laughs> to hear the audio version there. And thank you so much. Remember to subscribe on YouTube for both us and for Lucy. And uh, follow us on IG and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you all. Have a we'll great see day. you Wednesday. Bye. Oh, yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday. Peace out.